Hello, everyone, and welcome to Enablement Amplified. I'm your host, Fiona Simpson. This is our first full episode, and I am so excited to dive in with all of you on a really exciting question. I had the chance to pose this question to an entire group of folks at the Sales Enablement Society Experience Conference in San Diego this week. I thought to myself, what if we go ahead and use this conversation as our very first full episode of Enablement Amplified? So I am presenting exactly the information, exactly the conversation that I had at the conference on this episode. And the question here is, what if we use the boundary setting framework to protect our teams and keep them on mission? Really thinking, Where do we draw the line when it comes to the roles and responsibilities of our teams? And how do we use some very, very basic tools like boundary setting to help us stay clear on what it is that we should or shouldn't be doing? So I love to start off with a quick story. In my most recent role in sales enablement, we had a great combination of both technical enablement and true sales enablement, so onboarding and everything else that goes along with that. And I had a new account executive, an outside hire that we'd brought in who had wrapped up his official onboarding. I'd been working with him quite a lot. And it was also my job to do sort of ride-alongs for a lot of his initial demonstrations and customer conversations. A little bit of coaching, a little bit of technical enablement, all those good things. And so we wrapped up a conversation with a customer that he was working with And he asked me, hey, can you send some follow-up to them and, you know, send them the slides, get that next meeting set up and everything else? He was kind of treating me a little bit like a sales assistant, but that's a whole nother story. And I said, hey, sorry, that's not really my job, but if you want a copy of the slides that I pulled together to help you for this call, here they are. A couple weeks go by and he sends me a message and he says, hey, can you help me look at the pricing proposal that I'm sending over to that customer? And I said, hey, sorry, but you probably want to work with your manager on that. That's really not in my wheelhouse to work on pricing proposals. So he shrugged it off and carried on. A couple more weeks go by and the customer is getting ready to really make a decision about moving forward. And they want to know more about our onboarding process and what they need to start preparing and really kind of getting into the nitty gritty of our implementation process. And so he asked me one more time, he said, hey, can you set up a call to go over all of the implementation things and timelines and preparedness and everything else? And I said, whoa, 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 that's really not my job. We have a process for that. You know, once our customers sign and they meet with our implementation team, that's really on them. And he looks at me like I have five heads and finally just says, so what do you actually do around here? And we jumped into a nice little discussion about sales enablement and what my job actually was. But I tell that story to say that I think we've all been in a position where we're getting asked all sorts of different asks. We're getting pulled in all sorts of directions and we don't really have a good way to say, nope, not my job without sounding like a slacker or a jerk. It feels like oftentimes stakeholders are pressing our enablement teams, especially teams of one, I'll call out, for more and more and more and more. So how do we set boundaries effectively and keep them so that our enablement teams can stay on track and actually deliver the services that we're charged with? 
We know that's going to look a little bit different on every team, right? Is your enablement team charged with onboarding? Are you charged with more sales operations? Are you charged with more coaching and mentoring parts of enablement? Do you work really close with product marketing or not? Do you do technical enablement and product demonstrations and things like that? It's always going to look a little bit different, but I think that the framework of boundary setting is going to be uh, a really useful tool no matter what your team is actually charged with. So let's take a step back for a moment and think about what are boundaries? Now, when we were at the Sales Enablement Society experience, I asked everyone in the room to raise their hand if when I say the boundaries lady from the internet, do you know who I'm talking about? And a handful of people raised their hands and we had a good chuckle. It's a very niche part of Instagram and TikTok if you want to know. But the long and short of it is there's a woman named Melissa Urban. She's actually the co-founder of The Whole30, which is a lifestyle change, food-driven program that she started. I'll just also call out it is not a diet, but we can have a whole other conversation about that another day. And she founded the Whole30 as a way to help understand what was happening in her body based on the foods that she was eating. And one of the tenets of the Whole30 is that for the 30 days that you're participating in the program, you don't drink alcohol. She is a very open person on social media. People reach out to her all the time and people started asking her, hey, Melissa, I'm really struggling when I'm out at a function or I'm with people that are not participating in the Whole30 and they offer me alcohol. I'm having a hard time setting limits or boundaries, really having a conversation in a way that's not awkward and uncomfortable. Can you help me out? And so Melissa started working on this framework to help people say, hey, I'm not drinking right now or I'm not eating that type of food right now. Thank you, but no thank you. And how to build some more meat on the bone if there was any place where somebody pushed back or whatever it might be. So through doing that work around the Whole30, she really started to develop a larger framework around boundaries. And she actually published a book called The Book of Boundaries. You can grab the link in the show notes. It's a great book for everyone. It's really focused on interpersonal boundaries, and she defines that as essentially this. Boundaries mark the limits of behaviors that are acceptable to you, where words or actions beyond that limit cause you harm or make you unsafe. So again, her talk track and her conversation is really in the world of interpersonal boundaries, whether that's conversations with family members that make you uncomfortable, whether that's, you know, what foods or substances you do or do not take, whether that is the way that you're spoken to by your partner or your boss or whomever. There's really a lot that we can do personally with boundary setting. But in the context of enablement, I think it really takes a slightly different tone. And that's what we're going to get into today. So in enablement or in business in general, I think that this really translates into boundaries are the limit on the time, resources, or actions that are acceptable to you and your team, where anything beyond these limits is going to have a negative impact, probably a negative business impact, maybe even a revenue impact. And one thing that's really important to keep in mind about boundary setting is that boundaries are not telling someone else what to do or how to behave. It is you establishing what's acceptable for you and what you will do if those boundaries are not honored. In her book, 
Melissa provides a framework for how to set boundaries and sort of the tone in the process for how we create this language around saying no, essentially. (laughs) So the framework is pretty simple. It's just a green, yellow, red framework where a green boundary is a low risk, gently worded communication to the other person that uses clear and generous wording, informing the other person of the boundary, that a boundary exists. And the core part of a green boundary, it is clear and kind, shout out Brene Brown, because that is the most direct way to inform another person that you've got limits. Again, it's really just establishing the limit or the boundary, and it doesn't necessarily need to identify any consequences. It's just a really clear way of saying, no, thank you. I am not interested in that. I cannot do that. I don't want that thing to happen. Or if you are going to talk about that or say those things or whatever, that is not okay with me. A yellow boundary uses a bit firmer language. So this can be used in one of two ways. It can either be used as a follow-up to a green boundary where we've already set the boundary. We need to be a little bit more firm. Maybe the person is pushing back. And we need to use a little bit firmer language or a situation where we know that the person that we're working with or the audience in question has a history of needing stronger boundaries. Maybe they're just a pushier person in general. Maybe they're the type of person that needs a little bit more guardrails when you work with them. And so you can sometimes start with a yellow boundary if necessary. And yellow boundaries start to identify some of the consequences if that boundary is further pushed. And then last, and I would argue most important and trickiest, is what we call those red boundaries. This is going to use the most firm and direct language, and it is utilized when there is an imminent risk. So in a scenario in our sales enablement teams, in a business environment, when there is an imminent risk or moving forward on this item is going to cause a problem for your team or for the company or for whomever, it clearly identifies that it is a final warning and it clearly identifies what the consequences will be should the boundary be ignored and the specific actions that will be taken from this point forward. And I highlight those specific actions and consequences because I think that can be the hardest part of holding a boundary is actually executing on the limitations that we've set and taking the actions that we've laid out. Before we dive into some examples, I do just wanna highlight for a moment why it's important to set boundaries in the context of our enablement teams and the broader business world. The first reason is that boundaries actually help boost productivity within our team. If we can establish a clear set of frameworks, a clear set of boundaries on what our team members are responsible for, it allows for them to focus on their tasks at hand and avoid distractions or avoid getting pulled into work or projects or meetings or conversations that are really off mission and not going to help your team succeed. So in its own way, it can boost productivity and also reduce the noise that your team is dealing with. Next, and I think this is especially important if you are the leader of a team with multiple people on it, 
As the leader, as you set boundaries, you are helping reduce stress and prevent burnout on your team. If your team is constantly tasked with chasing that shiny blue ball of the next thing that you get distracted by or they get distracted by, they are going to feel like they can't accomplish their true mission, the projects that they're truly tasked with, and that's going to create stress in their job. But by setting limits, you can help your team to manage their workload, avoid burnout, and really, again, keep them on task and on mission for what they're supposed to do and help them to feel secure and comfortable in that environment. And last, and I would argue most important, is that setting boundaries builds trust. Not only within your team itself, by creating that culture of respect and accountability, by showing them that you're standing up for them and protecting them, and that they can use these tools for themselves, but it also builds trust with the stakeholders outside of your team. When other people observe that you are able to establish boundaries and hold them and execute on the functions that your team is tasked with doing, that creates a back and forth relationship of trust where they know that you're going to stay on mission, you're not going to get distracted, but they also know that you have the tools and the chops, frankly, to push back when you know that something isn't going to work or when you know that it's going to be detrimental to your team or a distraction or what have you. So now that we have a good understanding of what boundary setting looks like and what it is and some of the terms that we'll be diving into, let's set a couple of examples or show a couple of examples. So going back to Melissa's book and sort of the original framework of how boundary setting is used in interpersonal contexts, here's an example, sort of more of a life typical person (laughs) example to work through. So let's say you're at the dinner table with friends, family, whomever it is, and somebody brings up a sensitive subject during the meal and during the course of the conversation. Something that you really don't want to talk about, whether it's just polarizing to the table, whether it makes you feel uncomfortable, whatever it might be, you could simply say something in a green boundary like, I don't want to discuss that this evening. Let's move on. And then just change the subject of the conversation and, and bring up another topic. Let's say that that person circles back around and continues to bring up whatever the subject is. You can jump in with that yellow boundary. Really identifying that it's not okay with you and say something like, this topic makes me uncomfortable. Not just I don't want to talk about it, but this context, this topic is actually making me feel poorly. I'm uncomfortable with it. I don't want to have this conversation and I'm not going to participate in this conversation. Setting that yellow boundary, a little bit firmer wording and also a little bit of an action or a consequence, right? I'm not going to participate. I'm going to stop talking about this if you continue on. Let's say they just keep talking about it. They really want to have this discussion about whatever it is that's really not making you feel like you can enjoy the event. And so you just lay down that red boundary. If this is the direction the conversation is going or this is where the conversation is going to stay, I'm going to excuse myself. And then excuse yourself. Get up from the table. Walk away. Leave. I've been in situations where I... I, did exactly this and I left the meal actually out into the middle of a huge rainstorm but that's what I needed to do to protect myself from 
a really, really uncomfortable conversation that I was not okay with having. So let's put this in a better context for business and the world of sales enablement and sort of everything else that we're speaking about here today. So let's say you are working on a project. Let's just use the example in sales enablement of you are working on a a new onboarding program. Let's say that you are going to have an in-person session, an asynchronous lesson through your, your learning management tools and a couple of pieces of collateral that'll be in your content management system for this new piece of training or onboarding. And somebody says hey, we need to add 10 more pieces of collateral. You need to incorporate them into your live training and the the lesson path. And we need to make sure that they're all in the content management system. And let's say you have a new cohort starting in two weeks. So you've got some timelines, you've got an additional deliverable that you've been tasked with. What do you do? I think a great green boundary could be, hey, if you want these deliverables included for our next cohort, my team is going to need more time or more research sources. Which do you prefer to give us? Right? Just identifying we can't do this either in the time frame or with the people that we have. And offer to kind of collaborate, right? Which do you prefer to give us? Let's say they just say, nope, you guys got to do it. Tough luck. We just need this to happen. A little bit firmer yellow boundary might be, this wasn't in our original project scope, and it could derail the project plan. This could mess us up for getting everything available for our next cohort that starts in two weeks. I'm not comfortable adding this to the scope without rebuilding the plan, right? Identifying again that this is this is having an impact because it is not going to work with what you've planned. And if they continue to push and just say, nope, you got to do it, we can go to that red boundary. My team is working at full capacity and cannot take on this additional work. I can recommend another team to address it, or we can put it in the project plan down the road. So let's say we need, you know, somebody from project marketing to actually build that collateral for us, and then we can incorporate it. Or we're not going to have it done in time for this cohort, but we can commit to having it for our next cohort. But again, really laying down that that idea that this is not going to be successful if you continue to push it. And here are the options. So hopefully this is starting to sink in and, and make sense for how and why it's important to utilize boundary setting frameworks to, again, keep our teams on mission. Let's take this down another layer. In 2022 at the Sales Enablement Society Experience, my colleague Reed Parsons and I presented on how we built our sales enablement team. And part of our main thesis in that conversation was that we ultimately are a consultancy within the business or a business within the business. And we have one client, which is the sales team. Within that concept or that framework, one of the things that was very clear to us and is often clear when you put that sort of framework around your sales enablement team is that we needed to set some boundaries. We needed to establish what it is that we were responsible for and what it is that we were not responsible for. 
And so we implemented a sales enablement charter. This is a very popular topic. This is a very big discussion point or tool utilized in the sales enablement world. And in the show notes, there will be all sorts of resources to dive in more about sales enablement charters. But it really is the very first place you can and should start establishing boundaries for your sales enablement team. It doesn't matter how long you've been doing it. It doesn't matter if you just started sales enablement within your company or you've been doing it for 10 years. There is never a bad time to set up a sales enablement charter. Kind of going back to that consultancy idea, the real goals of a sales enablement charter are to identify some very clear pieces of your role in the organization. First and foremost, your mission. Why does this team exist? What has it been tasked with doing and where are you headed? Second, it should identify your goals and likely how they align with or facilitate the broader sales org or revenue org goals. Really, again, where are you headed? What is what is going to happen as you head that direction, right? Those goals. Your metrics is the third component. So how you'll measure your success. I would say also throw somewhere in there your team and sort of the definition of the roles within your team. Your scope, which should identify both what is and isn't in scope for your team. So a great example here might be in some contexts, your team might be able to request or direct the creation of sales collateral and content but your team is not responsible for actually producing that collateral, that is the responsibility of product marketing, for example. And then the final thing, and I know I keep utilizing this phrase, but I would say that the final thing is the most important, and that is your process. How could the broader organization engage your team? Because your process is also going to help you declutter and clear out the noise of all of the things that you might be asked to do. Because when they don't follow your process that you've clearly articulated to the whole team, you have a very easy route to say no. If they don't follow the process to engage your team, that is your first green boundary. Hey, if you need this, you need to follow our process for getting a resource assigned to this. So, Again, mission, goals, metrics, team, scope, and process. If I was really brilliant, I'd come up with some sort of little cute way of remembering that, but that's what I got for today. <laughs> so establishing that sales enablement charter, I think is definitely step one. It makes it so much easier to go back and point to something that everyone's agreed to, by the way. When you set up a sales enablement charter, I think it's really critical that you get full buy-in and approval from all of your stakeholders. For me personally, what I believe that that means is you need the entire C-suite to agree and sign off on this charter because then you have the means and the leverage to go back to your stakeholders, your highest stakeholders, and say, we agreed collectively that these are the boundaries that are set for my team. And this person, this entity, this part of the organization is pushing those boundaries. You agreed to this, so I need your help. So if you can't tell, I think sales enablement charters are very, very important. 
If you want to talk about them more, please jump into the links in the show notes, reach out to me, let's connect, and we can talk a lot more about enablement charters. But they're absolutely, I think, the best way to start the process of setting boundaries for your team. All right. So thinking about a little bit more day-to-day constructive sort of how do we make a boundary? What do we do? What happens? How does this get executed in real life? And it's a pretty easy process. So just another framework here, very straightforward. Keep it in threes, right? So the, the building process for creating a boundary is really evaluate, respond, and hold. Again, kind of lifting a bit of this out from Melissa Urban, but translating it for our purposes here today. So evaluate really is a couple of important pieces. Asking ourselves some questions. First and foremost, do we need to set a boundary? Is it something that's worthy of this level of response? If someone asks, hey, can you sit in on this meeting next week? We might not necessarily need to set a boundary for that. But that's part of why we're doing the evaluation. So, you know, does this further our team's mission or distract from it? Is it feasible given timeline, constraints, resources, etc.? Is it going to create or introduce risk or to other aspects of our team, other projects, right? Is it going to introduce some unknown or add in a burden that we're not prepared for? So we really want to just evaluate what is being asked of us? How does it fit into our framework? Do we have the resources to execute it? And if the answer starts to feel like no in any of those arenas, it's probably time to set a boundary. The next step is respond. So we need to think about where our response should land on the green, yellow, red spectrum. If it's a pretty straightforward yes or no, hey, we can't do that. Yes, we can do that. Probably that green arena is going to be fine. If the ask is coming from a stakeholder or a group that we know has a history of kind of stepping on our toes or a history of taking a mile when we give them an inch, we may need to start at that yellow spectrum. It's unlikely that you would start off with a red boundary, but sometimes it happens. So just evaluating where your response needs to land on the spectrum to help guide the language that you use. And that leads into the next question, which is what is the clearest, kindest language that you can use, but still establish that firmness that you need based on where it falls on the spectrum? And then I think the other piece that's really important to think about is who do you need to include on the response? Let's say the head of product marketing shoots you an email and they ask for something and you need to set a boundary. Do you need to send it to just them? Do you need to incorporate other people on their team, your team, your boss, their boss, right? What is the appropriate level of visibility based on, again, kind of the spectrum where we're falling in green, yellow, red, and who all ultimately needs to be informed about this ask. And then the final phase is hold. So thinking through what are the sequence of consequences that are appropriate for this boundary, right? If you get asked to create a new onboarding learning for a new product and you don't have time, are you going to quit? <laughs> Maybe not the appropriate consequence, right? But what are the appropriate consequences and how should they be sort of aligned to the future of this conversation, right? As 
either your boundary gets respected or the boundary gets pushed, when do you need to start implementing those appropriate consequences? And ultimately, the biggest part of hold is probably the hardest part, which is if and when your boundary does get challenged, the ability to refer back to your original boundary or to set that yellow or red boundary and actually do what you say you would do. So if you need to escalate it to an executive or someone in leadership, you have to actually do that. You actually have to sit down and write the email or set up the meeting and escalate to that person if that's what you said you were going to do. So just building off that framework of evaluate, respond, and hold. Let's just go through one example, and then I think it would be wonderful for you all to just think through and maybe do an exercise with your team this week or whatever makes sense, just to think through how you might do this as a team or how you as an individual might start implementing this framework. So let's say that marketing comes to your team. And I'm sorry if I'm dogging on marketing. I just feel like that's one of those areas where things get really murky between enablement and marketing. So I love all our marketing people out there. I'm not dogging on you. I promise. I just think this is an area that's so gray. It's important to kind of shine the light in there and figure out some boundaries that we can set with each other. So going back to marketing, let's say that they come to your team and they say, hey, Stephanie is a subject matter expert on a certain product. That's maybe where she started off in the company. Maybe she was in customer experience and implemented that product, whatever it is. She's a SME for this product. And we were supposed to have someone speaking on a webinar to our customers, you know, for the marketing team. They can't do it. Can we pull Stephanie to do this marketing webinar for us in front of all of our customer base? So step one, evaluate. Does this further our mission? Do we have the time and the resources? Do we need to set a boundary here? Let's say your enablement charter points very specifically to say that the enablement team is not customer facing. I think it's very easy to say, you know what? Thank you for asking us to be involved, but our team is not responsible for customer facing activity. We can point you to some other people that might be able to help. Green green boundary, can't do it. It's not part of our mission and we don't have the time or the resources or we're not the right resources for that. So we kind of dove right into that respond, right? We're going to say no, we're going to use a green boundary. It's a pretty simple process. And then that leads us into the the hold phase of that boundary setting. Let's say pretty simple situation. They go to the other person that you referred them to. They get them on the marketing webinar. We've done our job. We don't really have to do much. But let's say they come back around and they say, oh, no, that other person can't do it. We really need Stephanie. How can you help us out? And that's where you might need to escalate into those yellow or red boundaries and go from there. So pretty straightforward in how we do the boundary setting. I think the critical part, like I've been mentioning, is that part where we actually follow through on what we said. But I hope that the idea of taking that spectrum of green, yellow, red, and the type of language that you're going to utilize in each of those arenas. And then just the framework for building your boundary, evaluate, respond, and hold, just gives you some tools right away to start thinking about how you can use this framework to help your team stay on track. Now, of course, one of the things that a colleague of mine mentioned when I started talking about all of this was like, if I did that in my company, I'd get fired. 
And what I want to remind you all of is what we started talking about at the very beginning, that utilizing boundaries effectively actually creates trust and does not rub people the wrong way or does not put you in a bad situation if you do it effectively. There's a woman named S. Lucia Canter Saint-Amour. She's got a wonderfully beautiful name. She is the VP of uh, UN Women in San Francisco, and she's also the author of a book called The Forces for Good, The Superpower of Everyday Negotiation. Obviously, boundaries are very important in negotiation. And in her book, she said, have and hold boundaries. Trying too hard to please people does not garner more respect. Don't be overly concerned about being liked. Boundaries make people respect you more, not less. So I say all that to say, and I use her words to help remind us that if we are standing up for ourselves, for our teams, if we're doing it in a clear and kind way, and we're doing it in a way that shows that we are building a culture of respect and trust within our organization, we are going to be respected. And honestly, if somebody fires you for that, you probably don't need to be at that organization anyway. So good for you. But ultimately, I really do think that this framework is a very positive way of ensuring that your team is not overrun with requests and more and more and more and more. So just to wrap us up here, but let's just remind ourselves of really kind of the core pieces of why this is important and why I think that utilizing this framework can really elevate the practice of sales enablement. As we touched on at the very beginning, setting boundaries helps our sales enablement team to perform better, boosting our productivity, reducing stress and burnout, and building trust and sort of a collective wellness within our teams. I would also go so far as to say that boundary setting is essential for growth, not only of our teams, but I think ultimately, really realistically, for the growth of our organization as a whole. When we are able to use boundaries to help guide how we scale our team, let's say that you're asked to support 10 more sellers, but you don't have enough people for that. You've already done the metrics on how your ratio should be between you know sellers to enablement team members, if you've established that framework, you can point to that and say, no, if we need to support 10 more people, we need another headcount. So boundary setting can be utilized to help in the process of scaling operations and also establishing sort of the collaborative and expansive role of enablement in your organization. And also kind of showing where the risks might be and help avoid those risks as the company or the team grows. And finally, boundaries require effort. As I've touched on several times, creating this culture of respect and accountability takes time. It requires ongoing effort, follow through, actually taking the actions or holding the consequences that you established when you set your boundaries. But I think that's a good thing. I think it's a muscle that we haven't flexed as much as maybe we could. And so putting that effort in and seeing things come to fruition in a way that is positive for our teams is ultimately going to be the reward that we're seeking at the end of putting in that effort and taking the time to establish these boundaries. 
Thank you all so much for walking through these ideas with me. Again, I'm so grateful that you all are joining us on this exploration of sales enablement what ifs. And I hope that you've enjoyed this episode. As always, please be sure to share our episodes on all of your social media channels. You can go to enablementamplified.com to stay up to date with all of the next episodes that are coming. There's some very exciting ones in the pipe already. You can sign up for our email list, which will deliver every new episode right to your inbox every single week. You can also find us, share ratings and reviews on any place that you get your podcasts, including Apple, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. And my final ask, if you want to join the show, if you would like to be a guest, if you have a what if question that you want to pose to the world of sales enablement, to the revenue and go-to-market space, join us. You can go ahead right there on enablementamplify.com. There's a join the show button. There's a form you can fill out to be a guest, and we would absolutely love to have you. Thanks so much for joining us. Until next time, I'm your host, Fiona Simpson. Take care.